Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Amanda Malek Amadi. Amanda Malek Amadi lives with her husband, three sons, daughter, and two dogs in Arizona. When she's not writing or having adventures with her family, Amanda teaches dance and performs with the WNDC, a professional contemporary dance company. Amanda began her dance training when she was five years old and taught her first classes at age 17. She holds an elementary education degree with a dance minor from the University of Arizona. Let's dive into the pond and meet Amanda. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Amanda Malekamadi. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me here today, Jen. I'm so excited to be on the Tough Fish podcast. Oh, I'm so glad you are here. So I would love to start with you by finding out how did you get into writing, especially when you have had such a career in dance? Well, I've actually always kind of wanted to be a writer. Um, So I've met with some kindergartners and stuff. And I say, I started writing when I was five, because that's when we start writing. And that's exciting for them and everything to hear that because they are starting to develop as writers themselves. One of my children, he's eight now, but when he was in kindergarten, his teacher told them, you are authors and illustrators. And I was like, that is the coolest thing to say to children, because it's true. They're writing their own stories and they just have so much fun with that. So the couple of virtual visits I've done, I tell them I started writing when I was five, but then it was in second grade that I truly got inspired when I had the visit from Mr. Tom and he read us his book, Messy Cat. And I've got it as a signed copy, kept it all these years. And I still remember sitting there as a child in the library, I could just picture it and just looking up at him, just enamored and going, I could do that someday. I could be sitting in front of a class and have written a book and all those things. Um, And then life just kind of got in the way, right, of things. So let's fast forward to, I was definitely a person who wrote in diaries in high school. And then I even started to pursue things um, in high school for my writing. And then I let like the dream of, ooh, maybe I should go into acting for a little bit, take over instead. And so then I didn't pursue the writing for that bit. And then after college, I did go ahead and start like the, for the first time submitting work. And then again, I had, I was newly married. We had just moved to Florida. Life was happening again. I just kind of put it to the side, but I still, every once in a while, I would just want to grab a notebook and start writing and all of those things. And um, then we had children, we had three. And then unfortunately we had miscarriages. We had two after my first miscarriage um and then my husband had a heart attack that year also he um he's fine but um i discovered right here this author of cordelia michelle nelson schmidt she does stuff on facebook and i was just looking to bring joy back into my life because i was struggling so much from that first miscarriage which was in october and i found her november and then the heart attack was december that she was just so encouraging and she's so joy-filled and she's so real that she didn't know she was inspiring me. She does now um, because I've let her know. But um, in January of 2017, I started writing again. Um, And actually, that's not true because I looked back at the book recently 
And on February 10th, 2017 is when I started writing again. And the crazy thing about that date is our rainbow baby girl was born on February 10th, 2020. So I was just doing virtual visits last week and I was sharing with them like what's in my bag as a writer, like the writing tools we use. And I saw that date and I was just like, oh my goodness, how amazing is that? So that is how I started. It's just always been a passion. It's just one that's been put away and picked back up. And then now it's definitely here to stay. Oh, I love that. And I love that you, you tell little ones that they are authors and illustrators. I think that's precious. And as someone who has also published children's books, there is just something amazing when you see, when you've been talking with them and you see the little, their faces sparkle, their eyes light up like, I can do that too. It's just such a wonderful experience to have, but to give. That's so cool that you did that. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, I noticed with my own children, especially when they saw me writing, they will show me comic books and they will show me the other things that they've done. And that eight-year-old that I've talked about, he is an amazing artist. And so he'll have all these great graphics. And he's got this really funny story about a duck and a fox. And I was like, can I have that picture of that duck? And, um, and, and so he gave it to me, but it's just amazing then what you can inspire as an author and your children are always watching you. And my 11 year old keeps saying, mom, will you tell your publisher about my idea? And I was like, he always says, you have to write the book first. So do you have the book written first? Yes, Vincent. So um, you can't just approach him with an idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But speaking of your publisher, how did you get connected with your publisher? So I joined SCBWI, the Society of Children's Books Writers and Illustrators, in um, June or July of 2017. And then after I had written 10 Ballet Dancers, I'll pop it up for just a second. Here it is. And I was at one of our regional meetings. So here in Arizona, we get to do some meetups. And at our particular one, we go around and share what we've been working on. And so I was super excited. I'd written this book in January of 2019 after Tara Lazar's story storm and I was so excited I was like this is this is it and I, I know it's a good one um and I read it and Savannah Rogers said to me I know just the publisher for you he he's here in Arizona and he really likes the arts and everything and you should connect with him so I was like okay what's his name and writing it all down and then I contacted him and he does storytelling events also. He's an oral storyteller. So I met up with him. Like I went to the event just to kind of put my face to my name that had emailed and stuff and just checked in. And then he is a traditional publisher. And then he also does hybrid and he helps people with their self-publishing. And so I went to his event about, so you want to publish a book. And at that event, I brought the dummy. I really don't like that word. So actually when I'm meeting with kids, I say instead like the mock book, but I know the industry term is dummy. Um, and so I brought this to him because I know I'd, I'd sent him the manuscript, but I was like, if he doesn't really know dance, can he really visualize this book? So with the dance company I'm with, I had them pose for some pictures. We were in show that week. This is one of my favorite pictures here. Um, because otherwise all he would have seen 
was my uh, clip art. Because this is the one form of the arts that I do not excel in. And that's okay. <laughs> we can't excel in all of them. I do love to color. I do not like to draw like at all, except for with pastels and charcoal. There's something about those two mediums that I feel like I can do this. I can do this. Um, but any other kind, no. So um, it wasn't that long of a process that we had. So it was basically the end of January, contacted him, made Heather in February. I think his event was in March. And then in September, he offered me, we're going to publish your book. We're going to publish it traditionally. And I got to announce it on National Dance Day. And then, yeah, it was super exciting. And I even got to like announce it on the radio station because they used to do this thing where you could call in and tell good news. And so I called in and I got chosen and I got to share my awesome news. And that weekend just happened to be the SCBWI Arizona conference. So I got to share the news like at the conference. It was all just a very awesome time, a very great way to get, you know, accepted and get to announce it and everything. And then the book, was published in October. It was published on October 13th, 2020. I love that. So you have shared a few nuggets in there that I would love to talk about a little bit more. But first of all, I must tell you that like you, I am not very, a very good illustrator. I have great stick men, but that's about it. They And all of my, like my dogs, squirrels, cats, and penguins, but relatively speaking, they all look about the same. It's just orientation and how the appendages actually, you know, where they are, but they're kind of about the same, lots of circles. <laughs> yeah. That's what some illustrators will tell you. It's all, it's all about shapes, right? It's, yeah. it's just, I just don't find the joy in it. So I just like, yeah, I'll be like, this is good enough if I'm trying to make the mock book and everything. So yep, exactly. and it was fun to bust out the clip art too. I'm like, yeah, let's go with clip art. <laughs> So, so let's talk a little bit about though. So once the book, once it was accepted, did you get to work with the illustrator and bring that book to life in that way? Or was the publisher much more involved in saying, this is how this ought to come to life? How, how collaborative did it feel for you? Oh, it was so collaborative, luckily. So when he and I sat down, we I actually had to help choose the illustrator. He just like laid out all these ones that was overwhelming. It was like, wow. And I was looking at some, and as a dance teacher and a dancer, it was super important to me that the positions were shown correctly and everything. And actually the illustrator that we chose that I said was my top choice. He said, choose your top three. And so I did. And then his top one was the same as mine. So it worked out that we both got who we wanted. Um, that she actually didn't even draw a a dance picture she had just had it was this beautiful picture of this little girl and a dog and she had done it in watercolors with the pastels and it reminded me a bit of like my favorite style scratch art that um brian pinkney does and so that's just something that i love and I, it just really drew me in so we got to do that and then as i looked at some of the other illustrations and the ballet movements that they had drawn i said Sean, and I, I apologize, I feel like I didn't say the publisher's name. It's the Small Tooth Dog Publishing Group. And Sean Buvala and I worked, you know, together on all of this. And he was just awesome about letting me be able to do all the dance part of it. And 
I said, do you see this picture? I said, will I be able to talk to the illustrator? Because this is a beautiful Ritere position, which is more commonly called passe, but her foot needs to like be like this. Um, so it needed to be turned out. The person had her just like on her toe straight down instead of this turnout position. I'm like, but the this part was perfect. And he's like, yes, you can do that. So what happened was it didn't use like the whole company, but my friend Lalo and I, I'll see if we can get a little close up of him because he's actually in the book later. Uh, he and I posed for all the pictures. We did all the movement. So we sent Catherine some videos because a lot of it, the parts where they're leaving off the page obviously are traveling steps. So we showed her the traveling steps so that she could capture those. And then we had the still photos. And then, so she got to see it on a male and a female body. Although my female body at the time was 20 weeks pregnant with Francesca, but it worked. And um, the only step I didn't show was the, the brise because I hadn't done one in years but I did do my torsite still pregnant. And then kudos to Catherine with how awesome she was like working with us. This is a picture of a glissade. Mm -hmm. And originally when she did this, she captured it mid air. So it looked like this and it just looked kind of odd. I was like, that is an odd picture to capture. I'm like, you captured it perfectly. But it just looked odd. And I knew as an author, if I didn't speak up, that I forever would have been like, oh, I wish I would have said something about that page. It really, oh, it just looks weird. So instead, what I asked her to do was, I showed again, is this is how you get into the glissade. So this is what the glissade looks right before it goes into the air. And the glissade is just a small transition step before we get to our big leaps, our batmas and our sodashas and an assemblé and all of those things. So it's just like this little transition step. So that's why it's not meant to be highlighted. So maybe that is why it looks so odd in the air. But I was really grateful to Sean that he allowed me to send in those pictures that he understood how important it was for me for it to be represented correctly. And I just appreciate how awesome Catherine was, how she brought the movements to life and how she brought the book to life. I, it's, she did a beautiful job. Everyone's always like, your book is so beautiful. And I'm like, thank you. I had nothing to do with it. It was all Catherine. Um, and then, and then I'll start to think back in my mind. I'm like, well, actually, well, I did send the picture. So I guess I had something to do with it, but she brought the beauty, the beauty to it. Well, you're making a really good point that it takes essentially like a village. It takes several people, several different uh, components that come in to truly bring a book to life. There's an editor, there's in children's book, especially a picture book, you need an illustrator, the publisher, or to have it published, you need formatter. You, there are all kinds of different parts that come into play to bring this book to life. So did you work with an editor, for instance, and what was that like? So Sean just had done the editing. So when it came to him, it looked pretty good. I did notice, I think this is going to be the first time it's told. I was like, there are accents missing. <sighs> um, like I bought a shirt that said plie, chasse, jeté all day. And I was like, oh gosh, the accents. Cause I didn't know how to create them on the computer. And then my husband, luckily, he's like, you go to that symbol thing and it's there and you can do it. And we did it. And I actually have a friend in London who is a Frenchman. 
and I sent it his way because he's been so supportive of my writing journey and he's looked at some of my other stories and everything and I was like Jeremy could you check the accents for me and he said to me yeah I noticed my first you know read through that some accents were missing but I thought maybe that was just the American way and I was like no 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 it's that I didn't know how to put them in to the document <laughs> so we got that all fixed so all the accents are correct um and all of the um in the back is the glossary. So the Gail Grant book for ballet, that's where um, th I had referenced for grabbing where the accents belong. And then, like I said, my friend Jeremy confirmed it and then the definitions and everything. And then, you know, the definitions we tell children ourselves as dance teachers were all there. So um, that was, that could have been a big boo-boo, but I'm glad we caught that. And then it was, he had this great uh, design team called TLC Design. I believe that's the name of them. And for 10 ballet dancers, it was just announced on Tuesday that we won the Benjamin Franklin Award, a silver award for the interior design. So that was the way the book flows. And then like the, the font that they chose and how they did this here. And the group was talking about how they love the glossary. And then um, another thing with it was one of the times on one of the pages, I did get to voice where I was like, ah, we have to have, he's like, that's a lot of blank space, Amanda. But I was like, it's so necessary if it's possible because it's this beat right here. Because when we first saw it, the illustrator had placed, I don't want to give it all away, right? I said, no, we don't want to book. give it away. Um, but she'd placed the teacher and what was happening on the same page. And I was like, oh, that has to be another beat also. So really grateful that, you know, he was really, um, I'm totally forgetting the word, receptive, there we go, of my input and, you know, did that. So that I think that's what helped really make the book and then the way that they designed those particular two pages also really made the book, you know, so so well displayed so so well so fun to read congratulations on the award and i know you're also a story you. monster winner i am a story monster winner so exciting and i didn't realize like when i did my tutu here it's got mint green in it and then this is purple but those are story monster colors <laughs> i just happen to love purple as you can see um and then i just thought oh mint green would look really pretty and then my tutu was hanging in the closet and all of a sudden I went, that's my dad's. That's my dad's and my birthstones because my birthday is in August and Peridot and his was February and it's um, Amethyst. And my dad actually passed when I was in high school. And when Sean told me like we were going through, he's like, okay, we can't do September for the release because of COVID. And I said, are we going to do a Tuesday? Because I knew like in the publishing world, things are on a Tuesday. And he is more like, you know, more modern about publishing. He's like, we can let it happen on any day. And then he gave me the date of October 13th. And I, I just had to take pause. And um, he's like, is that going to be okay? And I said, sorry, just a moment. 
I said, that is actually the day we found out my dad had passed away. Hmm. And I was like, and he's like, we can choose a different date. And I said, no, that, <laughs> sorry. I was like, that's just my dad being a part of my process and being here with me for this. So of course, October 13th, 2020 sounds wonderful. I'm like, that's just the way it's meant to be. So yeah. Um, yeah. And like another way, like that my dad showed up was I got married in Arizona in June. It was just a convenient month. It was super hot. It was 113 degrees. <laughs> my dad's favorite number was 13 and he was born on February 13th. So it just was also interesting um, that that was there and yeah, that he was a part of this process. And then to speak of another person, part of the process, if you look into my book, it says to Evelyn Korn, a childhood promise kept. And when I was in about fifth or sixth grade, when I was working on writing, I don't know if you remember um, Storybook Weaver, and we would make those books in the pixelated pictures. I still have one in one of my drawers. And I remember telling my grandma Korn that if I ever got a book club published, I would dedicate it to her someday. And then she passed when I was in seventh grade. So there, that's why it says a childhood promise kept because that's my grandma who I told way back in fifth or sixth grade that I would dedicate my first book to her. I love the passion that's coming through. I mean, you can just feel the love. And to me, that's really, I feel like that's a lot of what goes into when you're creating a book, that there's love that's being poured into it, that there's love to have created it and to be sharing it. So I, I love that you are showing and expressing that by showing who was involved, how they were involved and how so many people who were pivotal in your life uh, came through and were supporting and being present in their own way. I think that that's just absolutely gorgeous. I just think that's gorgeous. So may I ask you, I think that there's a special heart for writing for children. I think, and I say a special heart in the sense that because I've also written for children, there's just something extra sweet, extra special about doing that. And so I'm curious, what was your drive to want to write a children's book specifically? Well, I think I just really connect with children very well. I actually don't connect with adults as well as I connect with children. And um, growing up besides wanting all these dreams, but this is why being a writer was a great thing is I wanted to be a pediatrician. I wanted to be a, a teacher. I wanted to dance. I would definitely want to keep dance in my life forever. And I wanted to be an author. Um, I did volunteer at my pediatric office when I was a junior in high school. And I was bored out of my mind, waiting on patients. And I knew I was like, this is not the interaction that I need for children, like with children, that's what I meant to say. And then I volunteered somehow it worked out my schedule, like in an elementary ed classroom, my old second grade teacher, Mrs. Morton, and I volunteered in her classroom like this, this is what I need to be surrounded by the kids and all of those things. So that was what I did. And then, so another thing that happened for me was my junior year of high school, I was asked to teach the dance classes to be a teacher assistant for those. And so I had never even imagined, never even thought to be a dance teacher until that happened. So I've told Kevin and Mary Bender like a million times, and I'll tell them a million times over 
that I'm so grateful that they did that because I may not have been kind of a dance teacher and it's exactly what I needed to be. I love it so much. Like this pandemic year was the first year and 10 years that I hadn't been teaching full-time dance and it was horrific. Like it was so hard. So I started making like dance videos with my daughter towards the end. And then um, thanks to being vaccinated and us still wearing masks, I'm back at the dance studio dancing with the company because dancing is just so much a part of me. And then it's just such a beautiful thing getting to teach the children that way. So, um, and then just another way I think just wanting to write children's books is I'm, a, I'm quite childlike myself. Like I just, I'm never gonna grow up. I still love to go play on the slip and slide. You'll find me on a trampoline. I will be that only adult and I have been at our children's museum. They had like foam coming out of a machine and I was pregnant and I was in that machine with my kid um, and no other adult was, but there I was um, just because I love to play. One of my favorite quotes is, do we stop playing because we grow old or do we grow old because we stop playing? And I was introduced to that quote in high school and I, I just live by that because I think playing is so much fun. Oh, I love that. I love that so, so much. And just, I mean, so I'm the adult uh, and so is my husband. We're the ones who want to be at the kids table and hang out there and like play with them and everything. So it's, and you know, when our uh, youngest nieces in particular want to belt out karaoke or sing, you know, whatever they want to sing, I'm like, yep, I'll sing right along with you. <laughs> yes. So I totally get that. But one thing, so I would love for you to talk a little bit about, you mentioned having to learn how to shift in the pandemic as it related to teaching dance, but I'm sure that that also affected author visits. So not being able to go into the school with, an, with your book, but I know you hosted virtual events. How did that work for you? I, I did. And, it, you know, I cannot wait for those in-person ones to happen again. I was blessed before pandemic. Um, the, you know, read across America weeks, my kids were already in the elementary school. So I actually went in a couple of times and read to my kids' classes. And instead of bringing a real book, I'd bring them my mock books and share them. So I did get that experience to get kids' reactions to my books. And I'd have them go like, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways. That was totally wrong, but you got me. Thumbs up, <laughs> thumbs sideways, thumbs down. And let me tell you, kindergartners can be brutally honest sometimes. It was so funny. I'm like, well, you just you can't please everybody. So um, that was a super fun experience and I cannot wait for those again. But yes, virtually, I just like through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook during Read Across America Week, I gave away a few free virtual visits and those were just amazing. And to see those kids' faces lighting up and everything, it was just all I could ever dream of. And I was able to offer, you know, like signed copies. So then I got to sign copies and mail them off to them, which was wonderful and then uh, it just for teacher appreciation week did it also. And this time I did it a bit differently. So the first time with Read Across America Week, I just did story time and questions and answers. And then the next time, just this past week, I said, you know, we can do a dance class and oh. we can play the game, what's in Amanda's bag. So we did those things. They were just loving it. So I have them like, yes, you know, what are writer's tools? And they're, you know, paper, pen, and then I'm like, scissors, what 
do I need scissors for? And then they're kind of like, what does she need scissors for? And then we talk about the mock book and everything. And then, you know, you got the glue and all of those things. They were thinking of some great things. They're like, you need colored pencils. I'm like, yeah, I should probably put some of those in my bag. <laughs> you know, but uh, that's so cool. That's a great idea. What's in your bag and why you need it and see what they contribute. Because they kids, when you ask them a question to get them involved in, in school visits like that, it is so much fun because they do come up with some really sweet or fun answers. It's just, it's such a neat experience to be able to do that. It is. And I know like for me, these visits just remind me too of being a kid myself and like, especially I got to go to performances dancing and then the actors or the dancers would come out on the stage and you'd get to do the Q&A with them. And it was just the coolest thing ever. And I got to experience that when I was a dancer for Snow Queen and the kids asking questions. And then so it's the same thing with these author visits. It's just so fun to hear from the kids and to hear their insight and you know, just what they want to know about you. Oh, I love that. I love that so, so much. So what advice do you have for someone who perhaps is getting ready to release a children's book or wants to write a children's book and is trying to figure out where to start? What would you suggest to someone? Okay. Well, if you're getting ready to release your book, something I didn't do but I wish I had is check out the SCBWI, the book, and they give you this like big chest checklist for the launch. But I did some really cool things for my launch. And when I was going through it, I was like, oh yeah, I did those things, but oh, I could do those things too. This is great. Like, so not reinventing the wheel and everything. So just, you know, finding that audience, getting out there, starting to talk about your book and starting to talk about your passions and everything before that book launch. But I, highly recommend read that checklist because it's a really good checklist and I will be using it um, as like the book birthday of this approaches. I'm going to kind of, you know, like a relaunch of book birthday and it's a relaunch of it, right? Because hopefully something can happen in person. That would be amazing. We have till October. So let's see, make big plans or it could be its second birthday, whatever. It's going to happen. There's going to be a big party at some point. Um, and then those of you that are getting into it, writing and especially the querying and everything it is a roller coaster ride so get ready like buckle up because you will have some highs where you get those responses back and your heart will just quicken and then it won't be the response that you wanted like it'll be like that sometimes and then you know get yourself a really great supportive group an awesome critique group I have the story stitchers and they are amazing and it's, it's so supportive and we all finesse each other's work and we, you know, celebrate each other on the little wins and the big wins and just, we celebrate life together. It's been amazing. We did a writing retreat. So really get connected with a great group because your friends and family, they may like talk about your book and be like, yeah, it's great and blah, blah, blah. But your critique group will really be like, no, like you got to cut that darling that part's not working. I know you really love it, but it's gotta go. And they'll be honest with you. And sometimes it'll feel brutal, right? But it, it's all out of love that they're doing that for you. Um, and then just keep going. Like if it's truly your passion, it's gonna happen. It's gonna take a long time. Like lots of people, it takes a good five to eight years and things like that. I am super lucky that it took two years. Like 
from February of 2017, right? And I wrote this one in January of 2019 and then boom. But it really wasn't just two years because remember I've been writing since I was five and, and I've had this dream for so long. And if it's something you just stick with, and then the other thing is the right person is out there for you. Yeah, because not everybody is going to say yes, and it's so subjective. I just happened to have that moment where the right person found it, and they wanted to champion 10 ballet dancers. And then here we are with a Story Monsters approved book, and now a Benjamin Franklin Award, and being invited onto Jen's awesome show here. So it's just, it can all happen. It just takes some patience, and then it takes being able to ride this. <laughs> I love that. I love all those nuggets. And this has just been such a joy, so much fun. And you are a blast. Thank you so much, Amanda, for taking the time to be on the show. How can people connect with you and where can they get your book? Well, so um, I am on Instagram. That is the one that I am most uh, active on, which I didn't think it would be, but it's fun to throw up those pictures and I'll put some videos and things. So author M Amanda is my handle on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And then I am on LinkedIn. And um, as Amanda Malik Amadi, I have a website that is authormamanda.com. And for purchasing the book, if you do indiebound.org, you'll be supporting your local bookstore, which is a great way to go. If you want to shop on Amazon, shop on Amazon. And then my publisher also offers the books and he's getting those stickers. So if you want, like, you know, those, the Ben Franklin award one, wait a couple of weeks because I'm not quite sure when that sticker will, you know, be shipped to him, but the story monster and the Benjamin Franklin award stickers would be coming from them. And that you can look at 10, the one zero balletdancers.com. Oh, that's awesome. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. This was so fun. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.